Welcome to Life Unedited. This is your lifestyle guide to living a life that is aligned solely with you so that you may find the courage to live the life you desire. Welcome back. All right, you guys, this is going to be a heavy episode. And I apologize for that because it's the very beginning of the year. And I feel like we probably could all use something a little bit lighter hearted and, you know, fluffier. But here's the deal. I don't do fluffy. Um, I do genuine and I do transparent. And fluffy is just not part of who I am. Although I did once have a cat named Fluffy. But that's, that's a story for another day. So, good grief. It is January 3rd, and I feel like I have so much on my heart and so much on my mind that I have been physically unwell for a couple days. And then add on to that watching the Monday night football game last night with Buffalo and the Bengals and Damar Hamlin going down and being rushed to the hospital to watch the game being suspended as we all anxiously await updates. It's a really, really heavy day. So let's, let's, I'm going to do the best I can. I have no idea where this, where this episode is going to take us. But typically when I start like this, these episodes typically end up being really, really good because they are sheer heart. And it's almost like messaging comes into me from, from elsewhere, which if you're not very woo-woo, if you're not very woo-woo, that sounds crazy. Okay. So first let's start by just really talking about how much Buffalo has been through in the past several months. Back in May, there was the mass shooting at Tops. And that was, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody in Buffalo who did not know somebody that had a direct connection to that neighborhood, to someone inside the store, to to any of it. Um, Buffalo is a really small, big city. And I know we personally had, we made several connections um, to the, to one of the survivors And it takes your breath away when you think of the fact that like I sat here and I could think of the fact that he survived because he was white. He was shot. His leg was shattered into a million pieces. And as he looked back up at the shooter, the shooter realized he was white and turned and shot the woman next to him. I cannot even begin to fathom what living with that experience is like. Then you come into the the fall and the winter and we had a major snowstorm in November. Followed by one of the deadliest blizzards that we have had that struck at Christmas. So there was no Christmas. We lost over 40 lives and it was devastating. 
just sheer heartbreak and worry. We sat up on uh, from the day before Christmas Eve, so Friday, December 23rd, until midday December 25th. My cousin was stuck on the on one of the major highways, and we all lost sleep and emotion and feeling. And I'm so grateful to report that he was one of the lucky ones who was able to safely walk away and get home. But there were a lot of people who didn't. And it is traumatic. Then you put the football game just barely a week later. And we watched a 24-year-old man fall backwards and suffer cardiac arrest on the field. I am so proud of the way the team, both teams, because Cincinnati was, Cincinnati showed such respect and such class. Their coach, the whole team, Joe Burrows, watching them was was heartwarming to watch their reaction of how much they care and watching we can only assume what the conversation was at this point but when we watched the head coach walk over to Sean McDermott and based on the body language and the facial expressions I have to imagine that Bengals were telling the Bills like nobody wants to go back and play like we don't want to go back and play we have your back guys um and I am so proud of them for after the NFL gave them five minutes to warm up and get on with the game that the coach and the teams pretty much said, fuck this. We are not going to get on with the game and we are not playing football tonight. And that brought back a little piece of humanity into my heart. But it's been a really heavy couple months. And that's been all around. And, you know, it's funny because through the first couple months of all of this, I was in such a good mental place. I was in such a good, happy, I still, I was filled with joy, even though there were bad things going on. And that was a brand new feeling for me. But this past couple days has taken a real turn for me. And things have been a real struggle. I have spent two years working solely on me, 100% dedicated to nothing but me. I had no desire to meet anybody. I had no desire to, my desire was solely in making sure that I was in a position that I never allowed myself to be abused the way I was again. That was my goal. And I am, if you haven't figured this out by now, I am extremely woo-woo, right? Like I am very much into intuition and feeling and I lean into things and I don't, I do my best not to overthink things until something goes wrong. And then I overthink the fuck out of things. And I process things by talking about them. And I need to make answers. I need to make connections. And that's not always possible. 
I mean, that's the reality. It's not always possible. So here's the thing. I told you guys last week that I had met somebody and he was amazing and he was perfect and he was all of these things. But then, and we knew that there was a non-negotiable on the table and he had decided that he, the non-negotiable was too big for him. He couldn't, he couldn't take a chance on it. And that's fine. That is completely fine. But what is not fine was the fact that I literally said, I'm on my way out with my girlfriends. And I got a text message a couple minutes later stating that this was his decision. And then what's not fine is I asked for a conversation because that's how I process things via conversation. And he refused to have a conversation with me. And I took it really, really hard. And I took it really, really hard because I was mad at myself. I realized that I was holding on to so much trauma that the girl that was standing there reading that text message was just 19 years old, dating her 24-year-old abusive ex-boyfriend in college who would gaslight the shit out of her, but she didn't know that term yet, who would proceed to tell everybody on campus how fucking crazy she was, but would omit the fact that he would show up at my apartment at midnight banging on the door to see me and to talk to me, who when he went out of his way to make sure that I was attached to this leash that was invisible. And I thought that those wounds, I thought that that, that was all behind me. I thought I had healed from it. But what I realized in the moment when this new guy wouldn't have a conversation with me and sent me that message as I was on my way out with my girlfriends. And then as I the next day was asking for a conversation, he told me I was ruining his New Year's Eve. Again, making me feel like I'm the bad guy and I'm the fucking crazy one. What I realized was I have not healed from any of that. I also realized that I had a lot of trauma shame, guilt, embarrassment over a lot of my life in my early 20s. And I didn't realize at the time, I didn't realize actually until like right now as I was talking with this guy and I I was very unaware of how shameful sex had become to me and how back in my early 20s when things ended with Mike, how I didn't realize how I was using sex as a coping method. And I think somewhere deep down, I really knew that, right? Like I knew it and I knew it wasn't healthy and I knew it wasn't right and I knew I should be ashamed of it. So I just kept pushing it down and down and down and down. And the reality is, as I did that, I began hating myself for it. And especially in light of so many things this year, we've watched, not just this year, like let's say in this past 
couple years. Um, we've watched a rapist become president. We've watched a rapist become the Supreme Court. We have watched Roe become overturned. And little by little, all of those things were building up inside of me. And I had closed myself off from the world for so long that I didn't know how to cope with any of it. So here comes this guy who is the first person I have been attracted to in, I don't know, years because we won't even get into like, you know, how long it had actually been since I've had sex because it was long before we were divorced that uh, there was absolutely no sex in my marriage. So like it, we're talking years and I actually, at one point I told my therapist, like I am dead inside. I don't, I'm, there's like that, that new, and I don't remember what it's called, you guys, and I'm not Googling it at the moment, but there's like that new thing of like people who don't need sex and don't, you know, like, and I was like, that's me. Like, I don't, I have no desire. I have no need. I have no want. I have no, I'm, I'm dead inside and I'm okay with it. And then suddenly this man was standing in front of me and suddenly I remembered what it's like to feel alive. Suddenly I was like, he took me out on my, our first date and I was like, all I wanted was for him to lean over and kiss me. And you know what? The pain I felt when he first told me it was over was very, very real. And it was very lot of things, but it actually had very little to do with him. And the thing is, is this is the part I want people to realize. This is why I feel like this podcast is so important because it's so easy for me to sit here four days later and to tell you that the reason he came into my life was to help me uncover this trauma and to heal because I've also realized I cannot be in a healthy relationship as long as this wound is wide open. And it's something that started therapy in my marriage and things in my marriage were so intense. We never went to things beyond my marriage. We never got into more than that, right? Because my marriage was more than enough to keep my therapist um, in business. So it's so easy to sit here and to be like, people come into your life for a reason. And so what was that reason? And to look for it and then to sit here and to tell you, well, the reason he came into my life was because one, he made me feel alive again. And he reminded me that I, I can like sex. Two, he got me to open up and have conversations around sex that I've never had before with anybody with admit things that I've never admitted, never said out loud, not with my ex-husband of eight years back, even when things were good, not with any boyfriend I've ever actually had. Some of those things were really great. Some of those things were the beginning of the realizations that in my 20s, I used sex as a coping mechanism. It's really great that I can come on and I can tell you, you know, and things ended. I was attached. I really liked him, but I, I also knew I was going to be okay. Um, it's, it's easy for me to come on and say all those things to you, but here's the thing. Here's the thing I need you to understand, and I hope you can hear it in my voice. Just because you realize those things doesn't negate the pain that came with those realizations. 
So the first day I cried all day. I did nothing but cry. And I kept saying to myself, this is so stupid. You've known this guy for, I don't know. I literally met him a month ago. Like you cannot be this upset. This is so fucking stupid. And I was getting angrier and angrier at myself. And I felt like I had so many things I needed to say and the other party wouldn't listen. And then I felt like I wasn't being heard. And I felt like my feelings were being invalidated. And as I proceeded to try and say what I needed to say, then I felt fucking crazy, which is exactly what Mike used to tell me over and over and over again. And I've often told the men in my life that you can say anything in the world to me. You can call me any name you want under the sun, but do not fucking call me crazy. And that definitely came from college. And what I want people to understand is it has taken me years of work to get to a place where I can then sit back and say, no, this is not, this is not right. This is not, hang on, let me flip the script. Let me look at it objectively. Let me try to open from the outside. And let me tell you, New Year's Day, when I woke up and I realized that this really, I had so many emotions and I couldn't control myself and 98% of it had nothing to fucking do with him. I almost wanted it to go back to just being about him because I was like, fuck, this means I'm the problem. This means I have more work to do and it's New Year's Day and I wasn't going to fucking do more work on this. No, 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 no. I was going into 2023. Like I have done so much work. I'm going into 2023 without needing to do more work. But here's the reality. You guys, the work is never done. It never, it is never done. By yesterday, which was the second, I started the day okay. And then I, I fucking lost it. Jill was sitting here with me. We were supposed to tape an episode. We had an episode actually scheduled to be taped that um, I was so excited. And I said to her, I can't record this episode because it was supposed to be about something that was still just a little bit too, I was still unsteady. So we decided not to record anything. Um, and everything was fine. It was fine. I was okay. I was getting through my day. And then all of a sudden, I looked at her and the tears started coming harder than I could have told you. And you know how you know you have a really good friend sitting in front of you? She makes you fucking write a letter to yourself. She makes you write a letter to the 19-year-old girl that deserved protection, that didn't get it, that deserved to have her feelings validated, but she didn't get it. And wow, I got done writing and it was four typed pages. And at one point, I will most likely read it here um, because I truly believe that part of the way I heal is by sharing. That is, that is part of my healing process. I heal by sharing. I have found it's the most, most therapeutic thing for me. I have a really hard time. To me, that's how I release shame around something is by putting it out. And this was something I wasn't ready to say. It was something I wasn't ready to admit, especially when you are born and raised very strict Catholic. And oh my God, the guilt around the guilt, the, the Catholic guilt. I mean, it's, 
it's suffocating. So it was like, I knew what I was doing was wrong the entire time. And I knew God was up there shaking his fist at me. And yet I was doing it anyways. So if you really want to talk about a mind fuck, there you go. <laughs> there, there's a mind fuck for you. And what I realize now, and the sad part is, and I hope he hears this. I really do. I, I hope that the man who opens this door does hear this. I hope he hears the sincerest thank you from me because I genuinely do mean it because without him, I would have never cracked open this door that really needed the light in order for me to heal and be whole and be ready to receive whatever is actually coming. And that's a really big thing, you guys. It's really fucking hard. Like, I do not want to let anybody believe that this is easy. I recorded three episodes yesterday, and I think in every single one, I started bawling my eyes out. But as I said to you, the reason that these episodes, I feel like, are so important is because it's so easy to look at somebody who's a few steps ahead of you and say, well, they just, they're better than me. They have it fucking easier than me. They got through it. No, they did the fucking work. No. It fucking hurt. So you cannot look at anybody who's a few steps ahead and just think it's easy. And shame on us and shame on social media for the fact that that is what we constantly show. And if you want to know how much he helped me heal, and my healing is far from done, you guys. I mean, I made this realization like two days ago. So please don't think I'm like, I am not healed from the sexual trauma and the abuse I suffered in my in my early 20s. Um, I, I'm not healed from that at all. So don't, when I say that, like that is, that I want to be very clear on that. But what he helped me realize and what he allowed me the gift to be able to do was when I was in high school, I dated this guy. We dated for, I don't know, it was over a year, maybe two. I'm really not sure. And God, I can still hear his laugh, right? Like I could, he was one of those people. He was just... <sighs> He was such a genuinely good guy. And I had the realization that he was the one and only guy I've ever dated that didn't manipulate me, that didn't expect anything of me, that didn't gaslight me, didn't hold sex over my head, didn't come back and fucking invalidate my feelings. We were young. He was the first person I was ever with. And we were genuinely doing life together, whatever that means at the age of 17 and 18. And I just knew he wanted more. He wanted more serious and he wanted it quicker than I could give him. And I, I, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. And so as I got to college and shortly after I started college, I, I just, I ended things. And he has been on my mind for over 20 years. And I actually reached out yesterday and I said to him, I just think you should know this. And he, he's been long married. I, I don't know how many years they've been married, but it's got to be 15 or more. Um, he started marrying the girl he dated after me, or he married the girl he started dating after me. And 
I said to him, I just need you to know that like, I've had nothing but shit and abuse since college. And I've let it all in. It's all been my own doing. But I need you to know that you were the only person I've ever been with that didn't treat me like that. And right now that means a lot. And we ended up having a really nice conversation. And it meant more to me than I can tell you. And he actually came back and he apologized. He's like, I was such an ass to you at the end. I got to tell you, I don't even remember. Like Whatever it is that's been burdening him for 20 years that he's been living with is something I don't even remember. And he told me he's thought about reaching out to apologize so many times. And I'm like, whatever you did, let me tell you, it doesn't hold a candle to the shit that's been done to me since. So it really, it's, it's, it's okay. You're forgiven. And he's like, I've wanted to reach out for so many years. He's like, I just needed to clear the air. I needed to tell you I'm sorry. And I needed to forgive the 18 year old girl who feels like she would have just been safe from all of this if she would have just stayed with him who needed some sort of adventure, so she left him. And the reality is, that was not my journey to walk. My journey was to go through hell and back. And the reason my journey was to go through hell and back is so I can fucking help other people get through hell and get out. And we have felt the city as a whole has been sitting in some really, really big, dark heaviness. But we have also individually, collectively been sitting in some really dark heaviness. And I feel like a lot of this has been fueled by Roe. A lot of this has been fueled by the fact that the manipulation that we face as women is systematic and we've been introduced to it long before we were born. Because you see, I learned in the abuse that I endured, I learned that my feelings were only valid if they supported his feelings and his wants and his desires. If my feelings, if my emotional needs needed anything else, I'm fucking crazy. And I've never had that realization as clear as I did over the weekend when I got a fucking text message right after I said I'm going out with my girlfriends and I asked for a conversation and was told no. And Well, actually, he, he didn't tell me no. He said in a couple days. And I said, I said no because I said tomorrow's New Year's Eve and I need to fucking get this. I need, I need to button this shit up before New Year's Eve. I'm not taking the shit into 2023 with me, but ha, joke's on me. So anyways, and then like, right, so I asked for a conversation and because I, because I want to talk, my feelings are no longer valid. And then the next day when I say something again and he says to me, it's New Year's Eve and you're ruining my holiday. Well, what the fuck? You ruined my Friday night. Sorry if I don't give a fuck about your holiday. And you see, those are all the things I used to feel in high school. Those are the conversations that me and my ex from high school, whose name was Jeremy, we used to have. I'm pretty sure I told him to fuck off more times than I could imagine. And I'm pretty sure that his reaction was nothing like anybody after his, where he was kind of like, okay, like where 
he validated my feelings. And I remember that we did have arguments and we did have fights, but we, nobody told the other person that they were fucking wrong, that their feelings weren't normal. And see, we've been, we've been having this our entire fucking lives as women because it's systemic from an empire that was built by a white man and for a white man only. My heart was broken over the weekend because as I was saying things, legit things, that feelings that I had that, and he told me that he didn't believe me. And if there's one fucking thing about me that I feel like anybody who knows me knows by now, it's the fact that I am fucking transparent as all get out. I wear my heart on my sleeve and there's no fucking faking shit. So the thing is, is yes, I was sad. I was sad because for the first time in years, I actually felt alive and I wanted to continue feeling alive. But I also realized I can feel alive on my own or from anybody else. And let me tell you, he lit a fire inside me and underneath me that I can't wait to see what it fucking burns down. I want you to realize that every experience you go through is for one of two reasons. It's either for your growth or because you are the key to someone else's growth. I hope in some way that I also helped him grow. I hope in some way that he took something away from this and that he doesn't just think I'm fucking crazy. But you know what? If he does, he fucking does. And I said last night, it it hit me. Why does it matter what he fucking thinks of me? I barely knew him. He doesn't fuck. He doesn't know me. He knows things about me that I have said to him that nobody else knows, but he doesn't fucking know me. And therefore, it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he thinks. It doesn't matter who he tells what to. Because there's one thing I'm really fucking certain of, and it is I know who I am. And I know that the trauma I endured was ready to finally be healed. I, years ago, I heard from Glennon Doyle, you cannot fully begin to heal until you take the darkest thing in your corner, your darkest, heaviest secret. And you bring it out into the world. My darkest, heaviest secret was all of the shame I felt around my sex in my early 20s. Was the fact that I completely used sex as a a weapon and as a coping mechanism. It was a form of therapy because for just a few minutes, I felt worthy. Didn't matter how I felt in the morning when I woke up. And that is something I have carried in such quiet secrecy and so buried in shame because of the Catholic guilt that I was born with, raised with. I was in shame over what my parents would say if they found out. Um, And I'm realizing now that I need to let it go. I need to forgive her. So I am going to be working really hard on that. 
And I want you to start working really hard on whatever it is that you need to forgive yourself for. On that note, you guys, I'm going to tell you the exercise I did in writing a letter to myself. My 19-year-old self was really powerful. And I definitely think if you're holding on to things from your past, you should give it a try. On that note, this was a heavy episode, but I thank you for listening and I hope that you took something out of it. Please, if you did, if you took anything from this, please leave me a comment, drop me a message, leave me a voice message. Um, Hearing your thoughts, your feedback, your feelings on the episodes, especially on the really heavy ones, means more than I can ever tell you. Um, So on that note, you guys have a try to have a fantastic day.